cliffcentral.com. Anthea, you made it. I did. Yo. Indeed. Bad weather out there. That's horrendous. Okay, so how are you, first of all? No, I'm good. Not bad at all. Are you, um, are you feeling strong? Did you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend, but the silly season has definitely started. Mm. So well. that's one thing to watch out for. Okay, well, uh, before we go, I promised you the other day that we would find new versions of your song because so many people have sent so many through. Um, but what we're going to do this morning is we're going to have Gugu sing it for you. She works what? hard for the Oh, movie. fantastic. I've this, been waiting for this. Is. All right. You know how to sing, Google, right? This is like the karaoke version. That's right. You're good. Well, I can't see the lyrics here. It's not coming. Hold on, Andy. I got you. Da, da, da. Yeah. She works hard for her money. <laughs> yes. Hard, so, honey. Hard, honey. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she works hard, hard for her money. Treat her right. Okay, the worst karaoke performance. Yeah, sorry, and yeah, like I, just, I was never ready for this. All right, sorry. So he needs a bit is. of help, I think. He condensed eight words into two. Hard, <laughs> honey. <laughs> so hard for it, honey. So, Anthea, what's happening? Where do we even start? I tell you, so we had a question from a listener a while ago about the IMF bailout. <laughs> and they wanted to know... If South Africa was one close to a bailout yeah. and how it would affect us and so many other questions. And so the first thing is I think South Africa is not close to a bailout. It takes a lot more than where we are now. I, I don't think we need a bailout just yet. Um, but it is interesting to see what happens to countries when they do, do get bailouts. I mean, normally you, you'd think an IMF bailout which is, you know, you know they, they call the IMF the lender of last resort for a reason because that's the place you go to at the absolute end where you've got nowhere else to go to. Um, but IMF bailouts generally have not been the fix-it or cure for economic or political ills in a country um, in the past. And on average, it takes between seven and ten years to recover, in inverted commas, because I'm not sure – what they call recovery, you know, so is it, is a recovery pre-bailout levels? Because I'm not sure that's a great well, measure of a growing economy. What examples or, do we have of this in, in the rest of the world? Because. Oh, so many. Yeah. So, you, and, and it seems to me that each region goes through periods of IMF bailouts. So in the, I think it was the early nineties, there was Latin America. And then the late 90s, there were the Asian tigers, which collapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the, the, if you look at it that way, you'll see that the regions react differently. So, in fact, the Asian countries recovered quicker, for example, than, than the um, Latin American countries or the South American countries, I should All say. Right. And there's a couple of things that influence the bailouts. You know, So the things that are bad generally are – Populism, so political populism, or populist macroeconomic policies, reliance on manufacturing or natural resources, which makes them vulnerable to external shocks in the global economy. Um, Political stability and quality of governance are big, big things. Um, And so, of course, what happens when the IMF comes in is that they'll say, well, right, now we're just going to implement um, austerity measures, and that's where we're going, so – and it's hard to grow a country's economy when you're in austerity 
um, economics, really. So let's just talk about SAA, for example, because they've been put into business rescue, which means that someone independent comes in and manages the business out of its troubles. And this person can act independently of the shareholders to some degree and of creditors and try to get some sense back on the rand for each of those people who they owe money to, right? So you've made such a good point about acting independently of shareholders because I think what everybody is hoping for is that government won't interfere with this business rescue plan, right? They've already messed it up so much. The last thing you need, you want this business rescue practitioner to be independent. And and for Cyril, it's like a godsend because he can't be blamed if the business rescue guy makes the decisions. He He can say to the unions and to everybody else, look, it's out of my hands, guys. Spot on. Right. Th- that so. is so right. I was intrigued to see that Godan was saying that they want to rescue SAA. They don't want it to fall um, or fail, I should say. But actually, think about it. If SAA, if, if SAA goes into business rescue, well, mm-hmm. which it now is, are you going to buy a ticket on SAA? Yes. Are you? Of course, no, of course not. Oh. No, no. <laughs> I was no. like, geez, that's brave. I'm saying yes. No, no, I'm saying yes as in don't be ridiculous. I'm with you. Um, and, and the idea is business rescue. The idea is that this company will continue operating. But actually, I've seen a number that shows that only 17% of businesses that go into business rescue actually continue operating after hmm. they go through this issue. And then, of course… The the issue for us as Comair shareholders is that mm. SAA still owes Comair over 600 million rand. <laughs> and they're not going to see that anytime soon. <laughs> well, we're, we're hoping that they will because the FD, we, we spoke to the FD of Comair and um, they, the company feels that SAA will not be – they think it's a good thing that SAA is now in business rescue because the company will not be allowed to go down in flames, if you like, um, and that their call on the money that is owed to Comair actually still stands. They made a very interesting point, though, and that is that the real issue is SAA technical because if they collapse, it's actually catastrophic not just for SAA but for all domestic fleets. I mean, even Safair, which does their own um, maintenance, still depend a bit on SAA technical, oh, SAAT. So we, we actually are in a bit of trouble if they do go under. Totally, absolutely. But, but can't they also just parcel off the business and say SAA technical becomes a separate entity all on its own and maybe that services all the airlines and maybe they just get rid of the expensive part, which is their salary bill and their and their, and their they're probably they're, they're overspending on, on unnecessary nonsense that we keep seeing because they're, they're doing home loans or they're doing this or they're, the middle management are paying themselves too much or whatever it might be. So I think that would probably be best case scenario if SA Technical was spun off and operated separately and kept the other airlines going. I mean, can you imagine the foreigners or the foreign Foreign airlines mm. would actually have to come here with their own maintenance crew on board. What a disaster no, that, that would be. be Nobody horrendous. wants that. No. And no one wants to fly in a plane that isn't kept up to date Absolutely. and isn't perfectly maintained. Nobody wants that. We've seen endless horrible TV series about how one little bolt that isn't in the right place can make the whole thing crash out of the sky. No, thank you. All right, so that's SAA, that's Business Rescue, and that's the IMF. But what's going on? Because we had um, we had Henry in here a little while ago. Um, he was telling us some 
uh, some interesting results. And he said, obviously, what we want to look at for 2020 is being dollar-based when we invest. And you probably agree with that. Um, to a point, yes. So, so, so it's interesting to see from a macroeconomic point, because that's what we've been talking about. We're definitely seeing some green shoots in South Africa. We are worried about the Chinese economy this weekend. I think it was they said that they're unlikely to see 6% per annum growth again. So things are really slowing. While on Friday in the U.S. they created the most jobs and unemployment keeps falling. So, so you've got all sorts of – you've got different factors. I mean, when the Chinese say you're not going to see your growth is at the lowest it's been in 30 years, I think they still have lots of um, arsenal to keep stimulating the economy, and the Chinese are not shy of stimulating the economy. So it'll keep going, right? Right. Um, and then in South Africa, yeah, we had business confidence last week, which increased by one point, which is hardly exciting. Um, and then the current account deficit narrowed to 3.7%, which was better than the 4.1% deficit it was before, but not as good as what we were hoping at 3.1%. And then we saw GDP contracting. So it, it, it's kind of a, it's a real mixed bag. We also had the AFRIMAT Building and Construction Index, which reflected a positive move. So, so, so you've got like quite... You've got quite an interesting story going on at the moment where things feel really bad, but every once in a while there's like a little ex- little bit of exciting news. And also As, we, we just seem to have a greater capacity to retain information that is negative and that is bad, and we like spreading that around a lot more than we do the good stuff. So we've actually consciously got to be aware that this economy is still ticking. There's yeah. still a lot going on. It's just not necessarily news-making like SAA and business rescue or load-shedding because ESCOM's a disaster. Exactly. I mean, it is horrifying to think about what percentage of the total debt in this country is ESCOMs. Horrifying. It's into the billions and not in a good way. I mean, we're talking almost three digits. Well, it's almost half. Well, I say I say that loosely because it's not closer to 40%. Yeah. But that's a huge percentage for one entity. And you, you say SAA as if it was a bad business, into business rescue, as if it was a bad thing. I think SAA into business rescue is actually a good thing. Um, it'll stop kind of this, this government being forced to throw more money at it, basically. If it goes, it goes. So what? Mm. Let it go. I think so so I, I was at a, a conference last week, one of the big banks. It was called Essay Opportunities Conference, but I swear it should have been called Time to Make the Tough Decisions because, honestly, every person that spoke said it's time to make the tough decisions. It's time to make the tough decisions. And then, of course, on Wednesday we heard about SAA, which I think was a tough decision, but we must let it go. You know, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. As for being dollar-based, um, I – I've always said that your assets need to be where the majority of your liabilities are. So it's very risky because think of it this way. Um, your, your expenses, so your home loans, your medical aid, your pension, those are your liabilities. Those are the payments or the cash flows that you need out of your revenue, which is your salary or your income or however yep. you generate it, right? right? Um, so it's difficult for me to sit here and say, well, yes, you have to send all your money offshore, but I also am a firm believer in diversification. So, yes, I absolutely think we need some sort of dollar portfolio that we are invested in. And I mean, I would say about 25% wouldn't be a bad um, allocation to a dollar portfolio. In fact, 
Henry and I have been speaking about starting a hashtag invest dollar portfolio. So mm. watch out for that in the new year. Yeah, we must talk about hashtag invest because actually it's delivered very nicely over the time that we've been doing this. Yeah, we've done particularly well. They're now sending out monthly reports. And it's interesting to see what happens because we've got four hashtag invest portfolios. Just in case you don't know what this is, you can go to cliffcentral.com, go to the, the money shot page, and you'll find all of this info. Anthea basically runs these different portfolios for us. And if you've gone into the high-risk one or the low-risk one or whatever it might be, she's delivered very nice results despite the economy and despite the stock exchange not delivering so much. Yeah, exactly. Well I, I think that's probably you're the like best a, part of like it. You're like a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> Taking negatives and turn them into positives. Manufacturing returns out of nowhere. <laughs> so, so the one thing I want to say is that the, they've, they've, they've um, categorized each of the four portfolios. And the conservative portfolio looks like it's not performing that well compared to its peers. But actually, I am completely happy with it because if you're going to get higher returns, then you're needing to take higher risk. And if you're in a conservative portfolio, the last thing you need is for your asset manager to be taking risk that you're paying them not to be taking, actually. So you want nice, consistent – in the conservative portfolios, you want nice, consistent returns. And in the higher risk, aggressive portfolio, which is where we're outperforming by leaps and bounds – you want to take a bit more risk, but understand that it will be volatile. Um, but, yeah, I'm very happy with the performance as it is at this stage. Very good. All right. I thought we'd throw in that mention because we haven't spoken about uh, our, our hashtag invest portfolios for a long time. And Anthea has been working hard in the background to make sure it happens. So hard for your money, honey. That's right. That's what we do. All right. Anything else you want to throw in? No, I think that's enough. We're pretty much going into silly season now. So... I think uh, Mbulela wanted to ask you something. I did. Um, you said something very interesting at the beginning about how Asian countries managed to recover better than South American and I presume African. Do you, uh, I've always wanted to ask somebody, or I, I've spoken to a few people, um, do you think as South Africa at the macro level we're pragmatic enough to actually run a capitalist system? So like, you know, we always say Singapore, wow, that's amazing. They're really, really pragmatic, right? The, when you look at how they... The, the, the state apparatus has a mm-hmm. finger and, a, and an invisible hand over everything. Do you think we're kind of too liberal with it? Or? Um, I don't know if liberal is the word. I would say popular. So from a mm. macroeconomic level, no, we're definitely not pragmatic mm. enough. We're very emotive when it comes to politics, right? It's, right. It's everything about South Africa, even creating jobs, is all about correcting the past and emotive and this is where we're going and we can't do this and we can do this, not based on macroeconomic policy or policy that's good for the economy, but really on where we've been and where we're going. And and Feelings. I get that yes, and I get that there are things we need to be cognizant of and we need to be a bit empathetic. But I think sometimes you just need to cut to the chase and say, right, let's build a meritocracy and get on with it. Uh, Another question. I hate catching you off guard with these, but maybe you can think about it and give us a report next week. Uh, This is interesting because somebody's just moved to East London, and I I don't know. Tato says, what drives the economy in the Eastern Cape, more specifically in East London? I just moved here. What are the main industries like? What, what, what's the main thing that happens in East London? Is there an economy to speak of? I think it's the half Iron Man that's happening in January <laughs> in East London. This is the only thing that I can think of. No, well, they, <laughs> the Eastern Cape is in a bit of a tough situation because it's really the, the economy there has taken a massive dip. There's huge unemployment. Yep. Um, I, I think we must do a little research here and come back with something solid for Tut. Yeah, so I generally don't look 
at the economy per province. But I think it might be worth, because I know the Eastern Cape does struggle, um, and it's one of the, in fact, the irony in the last GDP numbers was that it was one of the few provinces that didn't contract when, or did expand. It was one of two, I think. It might have been most expanded. motor manufacturing. There's a lot of that in Port Elizabeth. Probably, yeah. But we'll, we'll look into it with some, some clarity and try and get you an answer. Thanks very much, Tato. And thank you, Anthea. Pleasure. Cheers. Uh, uh, this just come in. Sorry. This is East London's economy is dependent on Mercedes Benz completely. That's what somebody well just spot. said now. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Ganubi River. Oh. That's about it. That happens there. Oh, okay. Well, okay. That, a river doesn't necessarily an economy make. Oh, thank okay. you. Cliffcentral.com.